Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. And so I trust that it's going to be a blessing to you. And it's simply called the 11th hour. The 11th hour. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But, you know, it's interesting, I think, uh, for all of us, me included. You know, you, you begin to read the Bible and you begin to identify with some of the things that are going on. And, and sometimes you look at it and you're like, Wow. That was so amazing. Look how God just showed up and intervened. And it's just like, oh my gosh, these are Bible encounters with God. And, and it's true. And it's, it, it, it's so, and it's there to inspire us. But oftentimes what we're seeing in the Word of God is just bullet points of things that have happened. And I think what we fail to understand is that people that are living during that time are living everyday life just like you and I. And so we look at it and say, well, dear God, how can you not believe God? Look at what he did. But these are people that are living everyday life just like you and I. And they're having to experience God like you do firsthand in your pursuit, in your walk of faith with him. Does that make sense? And so I know we look at the Bible and we say, dear God, God has done some amazing things. But, you know, when we see the Bible or in the Bible, the Bible from the very beginning to the very end is always pointing to one thing. And that is to have a relationship with Jesus. And there's always something that it's pointing to. And that is not only was Jesus coming, but he's coming back again. He's coming to receive his church. Now, that is the climax, if you will, of the book that we know there is a time that is coming, that Jesus is coming to receive his church. But the Bible also tells us in the book of Acts that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit and he begins to move on the face of the earth in spectacular ways. And we once again look at it and say, wow, wasn't that amazing then? Wasn't that some amazing Bible stories then? But in the book of Acts, the book of Acts does not come to an end with a period at the end and says the, the acts of God are, have come to an end. The reality is, is that the book of Acts is still living and being lived out with we, the people of God, His church today. The book is not, the Bible is not just a book of, uh, of fairy tales. It's really a historic uh, 
event or a, a historic uh, details of God's hand cooperating in his love for his people. But you and I today are still making and living out Bible history today. And so the things that we're experiencing, the things that are unfolding in our lives today, whether it be COVID, whether it be gas prices, whether it be Russia, whatever it might be, these are not just circumstantial things that are happening. These are Bible events that are coming into play that you and I are living out today. And if we just look at it from one day to the next, we're thinking, dear God, isn't life hard? Isn't life challenging today? What's it going to be like tomorrow? And we get into this rut, if you will, just living in the moment. But the reality is the big picture is expressing God's heart, God's design, and we're living out history as God's people today. Amen. The Bible says that heaven uh, uh, has a grandstand, and they look over, and they're cheering us on. The Bible says that those that have went before us have longed to live in the days that we're living. You might say, oh, it's difficult. You might say, oh, it would have been better to live back then. No, those that have preceded us said they've longed to live in the day and the hour that we live in. Why? Because God wants to reveal and is going to reveal himself even greater in these days in which we're living than he ever has before. Amen. I said we're living and making Bible history today. You and I. Amen. You know, the Apostle Paul, he said this. He talks about running the race. He said, I've run the race that is set before me. I was faithful. I finished my, finished my job. And so he likens that unto a race. Well, if he's likened his life and his call and his purpose as a race, then you and I are in the same race. But you know, when it comes to a race in the context of the, the years that have gone by, what it ends up becoming is a relay race. The generations that have gone before have handed the baton off to you and I. But in the context of the history, we are the last day runners. We are at the end of the race. And if you know anything about track and field, whenever you have a relay race, you always put your best and your fastest runners at the end to bring it home. So you might think, dear God, why do I got to live like in a day like today? It's because God saw you as his best. He knew that you were well equipped and able to run the race in the life that we're living today. Amen. So we ought to get excited because of the time in which we're living. And the Bible says that we are in the 11th hour. Right now, the, the life that we are living is the 11th hour. You might say, well, what is the 11th hour? This is a simple definition. It is the latest possible time before it is too late. It is the latest possible time before it's too late. What's he talking about? It's the latest possible time that we have to make Jesus the Lord of our life. And because we're living in the last possible moment, it ought not put us in a position of fear, but anticipation, excitement, and hustle. How many of you have people that you know? Now again, let's put it in context because this isn't just saying, well, I believe in Jesus or I went to church here and there. I'm saying, how many people do you know that if Jesus were to come right now, they possibly or probably would not make it at his coming. Well, that ought not put us into fear. It ought to get us hustling to say, I need to be about the things that matter. My family, my children. There are a lot of things that are important in life, but missing Jesus is one important thing that you don't want to miss. Amen? 
It's the last possible moment before it's too late. And there is a, <clears throat> there is a clock that is ticking in God's timeline, if you will. And God has said it's in the last hour. How do we know that it's the 11th hour before His coming? How do we know that we're in the time that it's in the last possible moments before it's too late? It's because God has told us through His Word. It's the Word of God that begins to uh, elaborate on the time in which we're living. In fact, I was just talking to somebody recently, and they were talking about just the, the context of church and what's important about church, and that church is all about worshiping God. And, and that's true. It is all about God. It's all about Jesus. It's all about our attention on Him. But what is the most significant thing beyond worshiping God about church? It is the Word of God. Because without the Word of God, you're just going to be a weirdo living life trying to struggle and make it on your own. But it's the Word of God that begins to help you discern the times and know how to live and uh, exist through a life of faith, right? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. All right, so let's look at this for a moment. We said that God has told us in His Word that we're living in the 11th hour, or we could say it this way, what the 11th hour looks like. If you recall, Jesus had said this. He said, you know, when it comes to that time, He referred to it as the last days. He said, when it comes to that time, He says, you know, you have the ability to discern uh, spring, summer, fall, winter. He says, you know the seasons and their change, and you can identify their coming by the signs of the time, right? I mean, we just know instinctively it's getting close to springtime. I mean, we might get teased here and there, but we know that springtime is coming. Why? Just because of the natural signs that we experience. So he says, now listen, you don't know the day or the hour that I'm coming, but you will know the season because of the signs. He says he's going to come as a thief in the night. But listen, he only comes as a thief in the night to those that don't know him. For those that know him, they can be aware of his coming. He says, I stand at the door. I'm at, I'm at the door and it's at hand. Therefore, we can have an opportunity to know the season based on the things in which we see. Amen. All right, look at another verse here in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 32, he says this, he says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. Let's pause for just a minute there. He doesn't say, hey, listen to this parable. He doesn't say, give heed to this. He doesn't say, hey, just pay attention. He says, learn this parable from the fig tree when its branches have already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, you know it is near and that it's at the door speaking of his coming. So did you notice what he said? He said, the fig tree, it begins to show signs and you know summer is coming. Pay attention, but not only pay attention, learn from this. But there's an interesting thing about this because there is a prophetic utterance that Jesus has given, but it's twofold. He says, you can know the signs of the time by what you see naturally speaking. He says, but, he says, learn this from the fig tree. You know what the fig tree represents? The fig tree in scripture often represents Israel. So he's saying, not only pay attention to some natural things that you see as my coming is drawing near, he says, pay attention to Israel. 
I had somebody ask me that one time before. He says, you know, what's so important about Israel? What's so, you know, I, I hear people talk about we need to support and stand with Israel. Why is that important? I hear preachers talk about, you know, we need to be with Israel. What's so important about Israel? I mean, we ought to just mind our own business kind of thing. Israel is the, the, the thermostat, if you will, that begins to set the scene for many things to come. And so we need to begin to pay attention as to what's going on in Israel. Because, it, once again, it is a, uh, oh, what, what, what could we say? It is, uh, it's just something that we look to, I should say. It's a thermostat. That's the best way that I can put it. It's something that we, we can look to to give us an indication of the times that we're living. Now, before we move a little bit further, I just want to make this statement in regards to the Scripture. When you look at the Scripture, the Scripture is broken into three people groups. Number one, the Bible speaks of the Jews. Secondly, it speaks of the church. And thirdly, it speaks of the nations. The nations are those individuals that have not received Christ. They have not become born again. They have not made Jesus the Lord of their life. Obviously, the church is just that. It's the people of God. It's those who have received Christ and made Jesus the Lord of their life. And then there is the Jews, those that still believe that the Messiah is coming. He speaks of three different people groups. And so, therefore, it is a significant role in the end days. So why is it important? Well, here's another side thought for you just to understand. Number one, if you recall, the Bible told Abraham, he said, I'm going to make you a covenant. And he says, when I make you a covenant, you will become the father of the nations. Right? He says, from you, Israel, my people will ascend. Do you recall that? All right, but if you also recall the story, the Bible says that they were old in years. And when God said that, they kind of laughed like, really, God, we're old. But then if you recall, the Bible says that Sarah got tired of waiting and said, well, let me help God. And she says, here's my maidservant and take her and she will give you a son. And she did. And God scolded them. And said, this is a curse because you did not obey me. And eventually, she, Sarah, did have a son. What was the son's name? Isaac. What was the servant's son's name? Ishmael. Isaac and Ishmael represent two people groups. Isaac represents the Jewish nations. Ishmael represents all the Islamic nations that are against Israel right now. Amen? So when you see all of the fighting over in the Middle East, it's still the conflict of Isaac and Ishmael living out in today. It's Bible things, it's Bible events that are still being lived out in this era, in this time today. And it's interesting the mindset of that, the Islamic individuals or people. Because there is a disdain for the Jewish people. I've mentioned to you before that I've got a brother-in-law that is Muslim, <clears throat> He's a good man, love him, and you just got to love him because he's family. But just there are some things of recent days that have been kind of startling because I never really thought that he was of this nature. But one of the things that I do know about him, that over the last several years, you know, with the, the new technology of satellite and all that kind of stuff, he gets Islamic TV and news. And so that is the propaganda in the filter that he listens to every day. 
Well, so the Islamic propaganda and filter and news is anti-Israel, anti-Jew, is constantly looking at them as being the enemy. So, as of, just as of late, when we were there just a, a few weeks back, my uh, niece, she bought some tickets to go to the circus. And she bought one for her dad. And she says, now, I didn't tell my dad where we're doing and where we're going and who this, uh, who this circus is, is, is from. I said, well, what do you mean? She says, well, because the circus is ran by a Jewish organization. And she said, if my dad found out that we were going to a Jewish circus, he would flip out. Why? Because there is an inbred disdain for God's people because of a cursed nation. Does that make sense? And again, still the mindset. This is like I said, it was something that just kind of shocked me as of late. My, my nephew, it would be my, my brother-in-law's son-in-law, he said they got talking as far as all the current affairs and things that are going on with Russia and all this. And my brother-in-law said this. He said, well, yeah, there's, they just need to come and drop a bomb on, on America. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, they just need to drop a bomb on America. Well, see, this is a country that has been a, a tremendous blessing to him, but his mindset is still from a culture that is anti-God. Are you getting it? And so, again, as we said, Israel, the people of Israel, is something that we need to give attention to and pay attention to as these days unfold. Again, we have to watch uh, Israel because it is a weather forecast of that which is to come. Amen? And you might say, well, why is it a big deal that we pay attention or uh, uh, are, are cautious in regards to that? God said this, if you're a friend of Israel, you're a friend of mine. He said, if you're an enemy of Israel, you're an enemy of mine. And so you say, well, why has America been such a good uh, uh, ally to Israel? It's because we want to stay on good, God's good favor. We want to stay in God's grace. Amen. All right. So once again, as we begin to look at this out, we begin to see that also um, uh, the Jewish calendar plays a significant role in the end times. You realize that we have a Western civilized <clears throat> calendar, if you will, but there is a Jewish calendar that causes biblical things to align themselves more accurately. And we'll look at that briefly. We don't have a whole lot of time to get into that. But there are some things that we'll talk about. Let me draw your attention to in Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Say it with me. We're in the 11th hour. The time is winding down. It's time to get our house in order because time is almost up. In Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 19... It says this, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subject it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption in, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans with labors, with birth pains, Together until now. Say it with me. Say labor pains. All right, that's going to be significant in just a minute. We'll come back to that. Verse 23 says this. Not only that, he says, but we also have the first fruit of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption for the redemption of our body. What does that mean? It means Jesus is coming. How many of you know that we still live in a fallen world and this body needs to be redeemed? 
Our spirit is made new, new in Christ, but this body still has to be redeemed, and that's at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And it says that this world has been in a fallen state because it's been subject to the fall of man. And it says all of creation is eagerly waiting for this day for Jesus to restore all things. And even as creation is crying out and waiting for it, it says, even us, there's something in us. And you may not be aware of it, but there's something in you that is saying, I'm ready. I want Jesus. Amen. And the more that the times of the end are relevant to our, our living, we ought to have such a greater awareness and a desire for our, ourselves to know God. Amen. Now, as I said, when it comes to this 11th hour, God has made it clear in the word of God to reveal unto us what we can begin to look for. And for that matter, throughout all creation, remember I said creation is longing to see Jesus to come and redeem all things. So within everything in creation, you could say it this way, there is a God code built in to creation. So if you begin to look at creation and everything that we know as, as, as people, God's given us His Bible or His Word. And so within that Bible, there's prophecy that begins to foretell or show us or foreshadowing of that which is to come. We know that God has given us the Jewish calendar that we can begin to look to to begin to, begin to bring insight into the days in which we're living. In fact, for that matter, to give you an example, do you remember the story in the Bible concerning Passover? It was the story of Moses, right? If you know anything about Moses, Moses was a type and a shadow of who Jesus would become to the world. Moses was the deliverer. If you recall, there was the plagues to get uh, uh, Pharaoh to let, people, uh, let God's people go. But it wasn't until the last plague where there was the death angel that would come and take the firstborn unless you applied the blood of the sacrifice, the blood of the land upon the mantle or upon your doorpost, right? And so it was symbolic of what Jesus was coming to do. And all that would apply the blood were rescued or saved. And that's why it's called Passover. Remember I said the Jewish calendar is significant in the heart of God. Do you know when Jesus died on the cross, it was on Passover? It's not by chance. It's because the calendar is significant to God. And I'll show you some more things here in just a moment. When you think about astrology, the heavens, the stars, the constellations, the planets, they all cry out that God loves us and that Jesus is coming. When you think about numbers, numbers themselves have significance in, in the uh, uh, Greek language. For instance, we live in the, the year of 2022. And we have been going through some tremendous things in the last couple of years. But here's what 2022 represents. 20 represents the open hand of God. 22 represents chaos in disorder. Have we not been living in a time of chaos in disorder? But this is a time where God's hand is open unto those who will say, God, I need you. Again, all of creation cries out and there is a code that begins to Share that God's heart loves us more than we can even begin to imagine. In fact, for that matter, uh, the way that we're designed. You know, scientists have, have always thought, well, before I get to that one, there is uh, what we know as laminin. 
the things that hold all the matter together within your body. There is a substance that holds everything together, and it's a substance called laminin. When you look at that under the microscope, laminin is in the form or the shape of a cross. Its physical makeup is the cross. Isn't it ironic that any, the thing that is on the inside of us holding everything together is the cross? What does that hold you together in this life as a believer? It's the cross. Amen. Scientists have thought that the atom was the, <clears throat> the smallest particle of matter. They have discovered, <clears throat> excuse me, they have discovered in recent years that there's something even smaller than the atom. And they call it this, the God particle. And you know what the God particle is? It's sound. So in other words, everything about creation is made up with sound. What does that mean? That means that in you and in me, all these thousands of years later, the voice of God is still echoing on the inside of us that says, let there be. Amen. And that's why today we still are alive and have the life of God living on the inside of us because he spoke it and said, let there be. And his voice, his fingerprint is still on creation. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right, he also said that there are signs. We said that there are signs to see, to know that it is the 11th hour. In Matthew chapter 24, again, I'm running short on time, so start listening quick because I'm going to get going, all right? <laughs> Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 6, Jesus said this. It says, and when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, you'll know that the end is coming near. He says, see that you are not troubled. He said, to all these things... They must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So let's stop for a moment. Have we had wars and rumors of wars over the years? Absolutely. Are we experiencing it right now? Absolutely. But the one that's going on right now has a greater significance than we'll ever know. But he says, now, don't let your heart get troubled. Why? Because the, the fact that Jesus is coming, the fact that this is the 11th hour, this is not the time for us to be troubled of heart. It's a time for us to have joy. It's time to have uh, hope and expectation. Jesus is co coming soon. Come on. It ought to bring such a liberation on the inside rather than fear. He said, all these things will come, but the end is not yet. Verse 7 says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be a famine, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Remember we said that there were birthing pains? That's what he's talking about. These are the beginning of sorrows. These will be delivered. Uh, uh, they, they will deliver you up for tribulation and kill you. They will uh, be haters by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be off, uh, offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now Jesus said, these are some things, these are signs that you can begin to look for that indicate that the end is coming. Now, remember it said labor pains, and this is the beginning of sorrows? Let's put it in perspective, because remember I said this isn't a time for us to be scared. If you think about a mother that goes into labor, the process is 
the beginning of pains or labor pains, if you will. But that's not what they're focused on. Are they going through difficulties at the moment? Yes. But their focus is on the baby or the reward that is coming, right? So he says, these are the birthing pains, labor pains. These are the beginning of sorrows. Our attention should not be on those things that we are experiencing or seeing in the national news and saying, oh, dear God. No, it ought to be, ha, 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 Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Amen. I, I might have to endure for a, a, a season, but I'm not going to let my heart get troubled because <laughs> my Redeemer draws near and he's at the door. Amen. It ought to excite us. Come on, somebody say, I'm excited. I'm excited. Jesus is coming. Amen. All right. Now, once again, I know that I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you and I'm just kind of spitting a lot of details, but I want you to know that it is the 11th hour. It's important for us to stay focused on what is before us. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 17, you'll recall that Jesus is ministering to his disciples before he ascends for the last time. And it says this, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days. Everybody says the last days. It's the 11th hour. He said, And this shall come to pass in the last days, says God. He says that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So listen, if we think that God is off hiding somewhere, if we're saying, God, where are you? Don't you see what's going on? No, God said just the opposite. He said, in the last days, he said, man, I'm going to pour out my spirit, and not just on you churchy folk. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. God's getting ready to do something in the earth that we've never seen him do before. His spirit's getting ready to be poured out in such a great way. And he goes on to say that there's going to be signs, wonders, and miracles, things that would just blow your brain. Amen. All right, let's look what it says. He says, uh, it will fall on your sons and your daughters, and they shall prophesy. He says, your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. He said, and on your maidservants, men servants, he says, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Now look at verse 19. He says, now I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath. Remember, we said that even in the stars and the heavens, God's telling us something. He goes on to say, blood, fire, vapor, and smoke, and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Have we had anything like that in recent days? In recent history, in the last couple years? Sure we have. And it says, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, said, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, are we going to have challenging, difficult days in this time in which we're living? Yes. But he says, don't let your heart get troubled. Well, why am I, am I, my, is my heart not going to be troubled? Because he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit in that time. I'm going to bring you supernatural help. And in addition to that, when all this happens, here's what's going to take place. People are going to start getting saved. In the midst of all the greatest turmoil the earth has ever seen, in the midst of the greatest revival that the church has ever seen, people are going to start getting saved and saying, I want what you have. You've been talking to me about it for the last several years. You've lived it out in front of me, but now I want what you have. Why? Because they're sensing it's the 11th hour. The time is now. The time is upon us. Amen? All right. Now, for instance, if you recall, the Bible says that in the last days, 
it says that it will return to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? Now, why is that significant? Well, for one, we know that our culture today has become more immoral than it ever has in, in, in history. And it has become a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah, is it not? But also what's significant about that? Not only the corruption and immortality of the world, but we see that God, before He could pass judgment on the wickedness and immorality, He had to rescue His righteous. Amen. So what does that mean when he says that before his coming, it will return to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah? What that means is the world is going to be wicked, but I got to get my kids before I pass judgment. So if you've ever had anybody ask the question, when are we going? Pre, post, whatever the case, tribulation. Listen, I just believe according to the scripture, we're going out before it's all said and done. Amen. Because he loves us that much. Amen. All right. So the stage is being set. I said the stage is being set before us right now. Now, once again, you can say, well, there's been things that have happened before and we thought it was the time, but nothing like it is today. In fact, we see over in Scripture in Ezekiel chapter 38, it speaks of the Ezekiel 38 war. There's a great war that is coming, and it is going to be the precursor of the tribulation. But here's the good news. Before that war ever happens... God's going to take his people. Amen. But now let me just give you a little bit of an insight in regards to the Ezekiel 38 war. This is what the Bible says. It says that just before the coming of the Lord, four powerful kings will come on the stage. One of those, or let me say this first, in regards to those powerful kings that come on the stage, they're going to move the world towards global, global dictatorship. They will strip us of our freedoms and civil rights. And they will move towards conquering Israel. I'll get to that in just a moment. But in regards to our civil rights and our freedoms, have we not begun to see that diminish over the last few years? And I've said it to you before, and I'll go on the record that I said it to you before, is that this last two years was nothing more than using us as a guinea pig to find out that they could control the world at one whole time. Amen. So you say, well, how in the world are they going to take the, the global liberties and have a global dictatorship? We just saw how it happened. It's going to be easier than we ever imagined. And it says, and then these kings are going to come after Israel as well. When we look at the scripture, what that begins to define is that the king of the north is Russia. The king of the south is the Islamic nations and the king of the east is China. Do we not see those major players on the scene right now and have we not seen that president putin has talked nuclear bombs already this ezekiel 38 war will lead us to world war three and in world war three or at the culmination of this 25 percent of the people will be dead and then a short time after that one third will be dead now I've never heard this before. This is just my own opinion. And it just, it just begins to get my wheels turning. Because the Bible says that we're going to go through some of this stuff, but we're going to escape before this great and horrible time comes. But the Bible says that the world will see the church taken, but they'll be deceived. What a greater way to deceive the people than all of a sudden to have a nuclear bomb dropped. 
Huh, a lot of people disappeared that day. Kind of looked like what we heard about Bible times, but no, there was a bomb that was dropped. So what that could mean is that we could be sitting there in front of the TV watching the news saying, bomb's coming. But if you're sitting there saying, bomb's coming, you better start looking because Jesus is coming before that time. Amen. Now, as I said, this is just kind of my opinion. But do you remember the parable of the sower of the seed? When Jesus said, he said, there's the sower of the seed, which is the word of God. He says, there is one soil that rejects the word altogether. There is one seed that receives it with gladness, but the cares of life get it choked out. He said, there's the other ones that says they get persecuted and they drop the word. He said, but there's only one soil that receives the word and produces fruit in their life. So in other words, 25% of the population. 25% of the people will be gone when this happens. Could it be that the 25% that has gone the first time is the church? Again, that's just my thinking out loud. But this is coming. Come on. I'm going to preach. Is that all right? I'm going to preach. All right. <laughs> Amen. Once again, in regards to Israel, we said we got to pay attention to Israel. Israel is constantly under attack. We do not see it in the news, but they are constantly being attacked. Right now, Iran has tanks and bombs that are lining their borders right now. Right now, Iran is flying drones along the borders of Israel. And Israel is having to be proactive to attack them. And Iran is saying, we are not going to let this be undone. We are coming after Israel. And that's going on right now. Once again, Russia's coming down from the north. What's going to stop them? It's only a matter of time that their advancement is going to be towards Israel. So in regards to some signs, let me give you some signs that have taken place that are Bible prophecy that has been fulfilled and is a sign of the times in which we're living that we're in the 11th hour. One, Israel became a nation. Jerusalem was won back. The Hebrew language was restored. The Ethiopian Jews brought back. The fertility of Israel was restored. The revival of the Roman Empire. The Temple Mount Institute are ready to start having sacrifices once again. Russia rebuilding the Ark of Baal. And, and the theologian says this is the last sign that will be, or the last thing that will be done before the coming of the Lord. These things are already happening that have become signs that tell us Jesus is at the door. In regards to the nations and nature, again, nations and nature are beginning to prepare for Jesus' coming. Remember, we see that all of creation groans for the redeeming of itself. So one of the things that we've seen is that fish have returned back to the Dead Sea. We have seen that the Dead Sea has just recently turned to blood or blood red where Sodom and Gomorrah was. And it was on the Day of Atonement. There has been 172 predatory species birds that have returned to the land. Do you know why that is? Just in recent years, 172 predatory birds have came back to the land of the Middle East where Israel is. Why? Because that is the culmination and the climax of the Ezekiel 38 war. With so many people dead, you have to have a cleanup crew. Who's the cleanup crew? The birds of the air. Amen? And also, that which you see in the book of Revelation, the dragon and the bear are in position. Who is the dragon and who is the bear? It's Russia and it's China. We said that there's been blood red moons, or as it said in Acts, it says that the moon will be turned to blood. 
Have we had the blood red moons in recent days? Yes, we have. In fact, just over in the last couple of years, we've had four in a row. And they fell on Pentecost, or excuse me, they fell on Passover and on Tabernacle. The last time that four have happened like that in a row was in 19, or excuse me, 1492 when the Jews were kicked out of, out of Spain. Uh, 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. And 1948 when Israel was made a nation. I said that the Jewish calendar is significant. God do, does significant things according to his calendar. Amen. Remember I said that Israel is what we have to watch out for because God is going to show us signs through the fig tree. Just not too long ago, there was the sighting of the Bethlehem star. The last time that the Bethlehem star was seen was 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. What was the Bethlehem star? It was the constellation of Jupiter, Regulus, and Venus. And the last time that that was seen was, as I said, 2,000 years ago. The first time that it came, the constellation was Virgo. The last time that it came, it was, it was Leo because Jesus is coming and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. I mean, God is so awesome the way that he lines these things up. Amen. And so the last thing that I want you to understand is that we have been dealing for, through some difficult times. We've been going through some things. Jesus said, I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days. Do you remember the Bible says that Elijah, yeah, <laughs> that Elijah, there was a, a famine in the land of three years. And the Bible says that God began to speak to him and says, what do you see? He said, I see the cloud of the, si the size of a man's hand. He says, well, what do you see? He said, I see and I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He said, rain is coming. A great outpouring is coming. And the outpouring came at the end of three years. We have just gone through two and a half years of drought and great pestilence and things that have hit this world like we've never seen. But at the end of this year, it will be three years. And I believe that there is a great outpouring that is coming on the church and on the land and the people of God that we have never experienced before. Revival. An awakening. An awakening is here. So once again, it's the time to be in the house of the Lord. Not being preoccupied by other things because Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Let's stand. I said to you that it's important to be where you need to be. In the right place at the right time. In these last several months, it seems and it feels as though we've been addressing the things that are upon us. And the reason being is because as a pastor, I want you to be ready. I don't want you to be caught off guard. And I'm going to tell you that there are things that will offend people because people want to hear what they want to hear. But one thing that I will do and endeavor to do is give you the truth for the days in which you're living. In Jeremiah, it says this, chapter 3, verse 15, it says, this is God speaking. He says, I will give you shepherds or pastors according to my heart who will feed you with the knowledge and understanding. In Jeremiah 23, verse 4, it says, and I will set up pastors or shepherds over them and they will feed them and they shall not fear 
Uh, they shall feel fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. The best way for you to get the news of the day is through your local church. Obviously, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and teach you. But God has assigned the local church and a pastor to speak truth into your life, to give you the bullet points of today's headlines, to be prepared and to be ready. Amen? As a pastor, my heart is to speak into your life so that you have such a fervency and a hunger and a desire to know Jesus. But the more that you know, know Jesus, the more that you're going to be aware of people that don't know Jesus and that need Him. You might say, how do I get the most out of my relationship with God and with church, with a pastor? Being in the assembly. I said being in the assembly. You'll find time everywhere else to do what you want to do when you want to do it. But this is the 11th hour. Don't be caught asleep. It's time to be awake. Amen. Let's bow our head and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in the midst of our church, in the midst of this community. God, we declare that, Lord, there is a mighty move that is coming across this land, across this church, and across this community. God, I thank you that, Lord, if there's going to be a church and a people that you use, use this one. God, we avail ourselves to you. Let us be a voice. Let us be a testimony. Let us be an extension of your hand to reveal the greatness and the love of God. God, I thank you that we're becoming more hungry and desiring more of you than ever before. We're passionate and hungry to know you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. That's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.